I'm Steve Fisher. Dana J. Sullivan is a writer, an illustrator, a teacher, and the creator of the Dead Max comics. It took a lot of hard work and dogged determination, but he succeeded. He's my guest on Life Slices. Welcome, Dana J. Sullivan, to Life Slices. I'm going to change things up from my usual manic way of doing things. And instead of asking you who you are, given your talents, I'm going to ask you to draw me a picture of who Dana J. Sullivan is. Oh, boy. But it has to be verbal because it's a verbal no video here. A, a, <laughs> you know, it's funny because when I do, when I if I'm going to draw myself, I draw myself writing and illustrating children's books primarily. And uh, it is funny, though, when, when I'm asked if I write or draw first, I can't really answer because if, if I have an idea, I usually sketch it. And uh, when I start sketching, that helps me write it. And, uh, and no matter what I write, whenever I try to – I'm a pantser. You know, they have – there's a seat of your pants people and there's people <laughs> who actually plot and outline stuff. And I've never been good at outlining. But when I do try – I will start outlining and then I get frustrated and say, Ugh! and I start drawing. And then that actually helps me uh, come up with more ideas. So uh, I'm a drawer and I draw myself drawing. Uh, I guess that's what I would do. So when you know, when you say pantser, that had a totally different connotation back on the schoolyard, but I won't get into yeah, that. Yeah, no, I, I tried that once. It didn't go well. <laughs> so what inspired you're a very talented guy you're a talented artist and a writer and what inspired you to turn your talents to children's books well i've <laughs> i've i've been told all my life i'm very immature so that that kind of helped me uh at least get the uh the, the 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 right you know age group there um and as you know steve uh because we worked together at costco for quite a while and I was the creative director there, and I was doing a lot of stuff that was creative, but there was doing a lot of stuff that wasn't so creative. And I realized um, the clock kept ticking, and I really wanted to do something a lot more creative um, with with my illustration primarily. And so, but but I didn't jump immediately to kids' books. But a friend of mine said, "Oh man, you'd be perfect for kids' books." And um, and I went to a conference, and I realized that was my thing. And I also realized that my portfolio that I took with me, you know, thinking, oh, I'm going to get an agent. I'm going to get an editor. Boy, this is going to be a rags to riches story in one weekend. And um, no, my uh, my portfolio was completely wrong for kids' books. And I realized that like within the first 10 minutes. And uh, uh, so it took me a while to figure, figure it out completely, but also to take a lot of classes, a lot of great mentors, uh, a lot of – a lot of uh, Meetings of of the Society of Children's Book Writers and Illustrators, um, which is a, a wonderful organization. So that's that's you know wasn't a straight path, but most of my life has not been a straight path. But I've long stopped lamenting that. I think that's how things happen. They do. You have to take the road uh, less traveled. Yeah. To get there. Sometimes it takes a little longer to get there. So so for what age group are your books written? Well, my uh my picture books are for kids to be read to. So they're they're on the, the pre-K to five years old or so. And they're um uh they 
are again to be to be read to. Then there's the early readers, uh, which and I've illustrated those, although written by somebody else by Judy Young. It's the Digger and Daisy series, and they're the ones that are kids are learning to read. So they're actually simpler. Oddly enough, the the words are and sentences are simpler than a than a picture book because the, we want the kids to read them, not be read to. But then I've got uh, my middle grade graphic novels, my Dead Max comic series. Uh, Max is a dog. He's dead. You know, dead, <laughs> dead Max. He was my my dog, and um, but he's now in my studio in an urn. But I wrote a comic about him, and so that's middle grade, and that's for kids in middle school. But I like them too. So they're from from age, let's say, ten to to eighty eight. No, how many books have you written so far? Well. Or written or and or okay. illustrated. I've got about twenty books, twenty books out there. That's pretty good. And and in what kind of a time frame? Uh, within the last eleven years. That's pretty good. That's yeah, pretty yeah. good. Now, what did it take to get your first book published? The first book, I I, I found an agent. I was very lucky. There was a uh, Society of Children's Book Writers and Illustrators meeting. SCBWI, uh, a local Western Washington chapter meeting of uh, an agent came out and spoke, and she was from the East Coast, and um, we were we could give her some some of our work, and we get we got a fifteen minute maybe maybe fifteen minute um, session with her where she discussed our work with us, and and this one was Anna Olswanger, and she was she's very severe, and she looked at me and said, um. I don't really like any of your stories, but I love this character, Ozzy. He said, uh, and I think he should be published, don't you? <laughs> I said, okay, trick question, but yes, I do. So she worked with me for about six months getting this story together and uh, until she deemed it worthy to um, to put out in the world, to you know, to put on submission to editors. And, uh, and eventually uh, after... 25 rejections, the 25th uh, Sleeping Bear Press um, picked it up. And so it, it took me a good, so that was in 2011, 2013. So it was like two years. I've been working pretty hard for two, three years. And that's uh, that sounds like a lot, but there are people who've been working for 15, 20 years and, they, and they're still trying. So I I there's never never a moment when I don't realize how lucky I am that I found her and uh, Anna Anna O and she uh, and and she me so uh, you know she also she is so um, I don't think she likes the term dogged but I do I love dogs um, and she my my graphic novel Dead Max got seventy seven rejections wow. over over two years yeah now who would keep submitting right. Um, well, she would so, and uh, and she did. And it turns out the publisher Red Chair Press, the publisher Keith Garton, uh, he has two urns in his office of dogs. So that's you know you just got to hit the right person. It keeps mounting up. Yes. <laughs> so where do you get your ideas? Do they come to you with an idea, or do you go to them, or does it work both ways? It works both ways. It works all, all different ways. Anyway, you can get an idea, you know, including stealing them from your students. That's, you know, whatever works. Um, 
plagiarize. That's why God gave you eyes. That's Tom Lehrer. Um, but no, uh, it depends on it depends on the situation. If it's my own story, then I come up with my ideas. Um, if it's a uh, if, like in the Digger and Daisy situation, they actually have a um, the text written by Judy Young, and the um, the publisher they will send it to me, and and uh, I will then come up with with uh, with the ideas for the pictures. But when it's mine, it's a uh, my from the get go. It's it's my own idea, and, and I you get ideas from everywhere. Uh, mostly your real life, um, like you take your life and then you pretend you're on Facebook, so it's funnier, and and it's you know it's more profitable too on on Facebook. And, and I'm also <laughs> taller and thinner, by the way. Um, so you, but you just take life and make it more fun. Or what if you know? There's usually a what if involved. One, my red velvet cape. Um, I was listening to the radio, and uh, I think it was Splendid Table or something on on NPR. And I don't really like cooking shows, but whatever. <laughs> but I was listening, and 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 I heard when we come back, we're going to talk about red velvet capes. And I thought, red velvet capes, no way. And I and then when they came back from you know from asking for money, and they were going to talk about red velvet cakes. <laughs> And I was so disappointed. I was really mad. I turned off the radio. I was just, Arr! and then I thought, well, wait, there's that's an idea in there. And I started coming up with ideas of all the things I would do with a red velvet cape if I were five years old. And uh, and and that's where that that book came from. So they they come in all different ways. Uh, one of my books, my second book actually was um, it's called KK's Alphabet Safari, and it's it's set in Kenya. It's an alphabet book with uh, with all these animals from the from the uh, the the Kenyan countryside, but it's based on a real place, Star of Hope Center, which is a uh, a school and orphanage that my wife and I um, uh, actually started up a charity for. Uh, and there's a there's a man at at the school named KK, and he. He's a, he's a taxi driver and he cuts hair. He's a sign painter, but what he really loves to do is paint on the walls of, this, of the school for the kids to learn their alphabet. So that's where that one came from. Uh, my first book, Ozzy in the Art Contest, was a contest that I had applied for and I thought I was going to win. I, th- I, I literally said to myself, I was born to do this and I'm going to win for sure. And I didn't. I didn't win. I I came in like fourth. It was a it was a King County um, competition for a kids book, uh, like a coloring book, activity book for for uh, disaster preparedness. And I and I came up with a little book. I came up with two characters, a song, a storyboard. Oh my God! I was I was just born for this, right? And I didn't make it. And I got so angry. I and I, and I was so surprised at how angry I was. Um, and and I, you know, you always hear, well, write about what you know. So I wrote a story about a little blue dog who should win the art contest, but he doesn't because he really wasn't paying attention, and he didn't he didn't get it right, and uh, he didn't get mad. He get because again, uh, on the internet and in my books, I'm a much jollier fellow, and uh, my my character Ozzy got uh, amused. He thought it was very amusing that he got it wrong. Um, <laughs> but then he still made the best of the situation. So, which, which I found out later, that's, that's a, it's a book about failure. I didn't know that, but, but yay, 
because that was kind of hip. Do you know where your stories are going when you start to write them, or they surprise you as much as anybody else? They they definitely surprise me as much as anybody else. Um, rarely you get the I, I might get the first and the last panel, you know. That's but then I then I have to figure out where I'm going to go with that. Um, and then sometimes when I'm drawing, like the Dead Max comics, they just uh, they just they didn't write themselves because man, I was doing a lot of work. But um, it's not like I woke up and it just flowed. Um, but there was a. But the more I drew, the more ideas I got. So, um, so I rarely know where I'm going. Describe your process when you're working alone, and then how it changes when you're working with a partner. Okay, um, when I'm working alone, I'll start with a, an idea, and I'll start with little thumbnail sketches, tiny little ones. In fact, I like the faster you draw the better. It's all it's a numbers game when it comes to good ideas. So you want to get a lot of ideas down on the page, a lot of ideas. And so these can be almost stick figures. And I'll just go like I think one of my teachers Roland uh, Thomas, the dear departed little Roland Thomas told me that um think of it like a second grader. You know when they're telling you a story and then and then and then and then and then and they just keep going and you just want to, you know, finally put a sock in their mouth. But <laughs> Um, but there's no thought of an arc. There's no thought of a, you know, climax or a punchline. And that's what you do. You just, and then, and then, and then, and then, and then, and then this could happen. And, and if, if, if the mood strikes you, you get more outlandish and outlandish. You, you might even make a list of what's everything in the way. What, what are the obstacles and, you know, and how, how wacky can they get? And then eventually you, you start picking the ones you think are working and you get rid of the others. And you, so that's, and then you then you start thumbnailing an actual story, a storyboard, a little mini dummy, you know, so you can see what it looks like when you turn the page, and and then you show it to your critique group, and then you show it eventually if you're you know if you get to the point, you show it to your agent, and so anyway, there's a lot of lot of it's not like it's a solo act. Now when it when it working with a working with somebody else's word texts, um, one thing that that many adults are surprised about is generally an illustrator and a writer of a book never meet. They never communicate. There's no interaction at all. I get my text from the publisher and uh, they'll tell me how many pages I've got. They'll Sometimes they'll break up the, this is where I want, we want the, the words on these pages. And then it's up to me to come up with the drawings. Many times, most writers love to put in illustrator notes in their books because, and they think they're helping, you know, but they're they're not. I mean, they can be, um, but publishers will frequently strip out those illustrator notes before they give it to the illustrator because they want everybody to bring their best game. They want every, they want the most ideas they can possibly get from somebody. So if somebody puts down a story and I see it as being acted by a couple of penguins instead of you know two children or whatever, um, they might wow I never saw that. That's that's kind of cool or. That stinks. What are you What are you thinking about? You're crazy. Um, and you know other other wonderful like Paul Schmidt is a local uh, local genius author illustrator, and he he once said, you know you don't you never want to be asked to give more. It's always better to be said, can you tone it down a little bit? So it you know as opposed to well, you're not really bringing it. So you know bring more. But anyway, mostly uh, most illustrators and authors. There is no collaboration, as you said. Now, when there is collaboration, that can be interesting, um, and it, and it usually takes some little backing and forthing and figuring out the best method and the best uh, and uh, 
Suzanne Williams, another author friend of mine who's done a bajillion books with Joan Holub. She does this, this Goddess Girl series. They've done a bunch together. And I had to actually call her up one time and say, how do you do it? How do you not want to, you know, kill? And uh, she said, well, first of all, you do want to kill them. But then you, you check your ego at the door. Uh, and then you also, with every one of their books, they go back and forth. Who's in charge? And because there's always got to be somebody who just has the final say. And, and that actually is a very good, that really helped me. I don't know if that helped anybody else. But it kind of allows you to let go. Okay. You say, okay, fine. Um, Let's do it that way. Let's try that. And who knows? Maybe it's the best way. On your website, uh, you say you love to visit schools. How many have you visited to date? Do you have any idea? Uh, no, no. Um, <laughs> I don't. But it would be, I'm going to say 126. I just made that up. But it could be. It could be. Um, and I've done, uh, with COVID, I visited more because you can do that on Zoom. And uh it's been, which has been kind of weird. I mean, there's nothing that replaces being in a room with a whole bunch of kids and you're drawing together. Because I usually just, we draw together and they come up with the craziest things. Um, and there's nothing like that. And they want to, they want to show you their work and you just gush and they just love it. And, and I love it. Um, but Zooming, it hasn't been bad. You know, it's okay. Um, they can, they can see my work. I draw on a tablet that, so I do a share screen and I draw my, uh, a tablet so they can really see it as opposed to me drawing on a um, on a, a flip chart where they can't always see me. Although those kids have sharp eyes. <laughs> they, they see pretty well. But uh, but schools are the best. That is, I once I once told the publicity uh, director for Sleeping Bear Press, I said, you know, visiting schools is the best part of this whole job. And it's true. She said, don't tell them that. But, <laughs> but, it, but it is true. What's a typical school visit like? Um, I will usually read a story. Um, I'll read one of my books and I'll use PowerPoint so they can all see it on the screen. And then I'll say, okay, do you want to draw something? Yeah. And, um, and you know, so ahead of time, we've, we've made sure they all have pencils and, and paper and, and something like a, like a um, clipboard to, to draw on. And, um, and then we draw, we'll draw my, you know, one of my characters or we'll draw um, somebody who's really mad because that's fun to draw. Somebody really mad. And, we, and I, I ask, what, do, what do your eyebrows do? Go down. That's right. You know, and I say, think of the Hulk. You know, and, we, and I make noise while I draw because I really do make noise when I draw. And, um, and I tell them they should make noise too. And we draw, we'll do a comic strip. We'll, we'll do a, like a three-panel comic. And then at the end, and they'll just draw along with me. I'll do something very simple. And they'll say, you know what? This is great. This is genius. Except it's really boring. Oh, my gosh. You know, can you guys come up with a better ending? And then I give them one minute. And that's, that's the, the secret to great ideas is pressure and <laughs> deadline. Uh, really? I mean, I don't know about you. Well, no, I know you're a writer. So you know deadlines. And you yes. know you are the most creative in that last minute, that final minute where you're, somebody's going to come cut off your nose. Absolutely. I, I interviewed an author once, and I, I asked about that, and uh, she said she creates her own deadlines. And oh, it was actually Fanny Flagg, and, and she said that she creates her own deadlines even if she doesn't have one because she can't write without one. Right. Yeah, well, what does Fanny Flagg know? No, yeah, I mean, really. 
Yeah, she she should know. And that's I think why many people have a critique group because you know, I mean they're not going to they're not paying you, but it's still you don't want to show up any handed. So you you'll get busy uh, the day of your critique group and actually, you know, bang out a few drawings or or you know, words or whatever. So, yeah, there's nothing like a deadline, nothing at all. What do you typically get from your kids when you visit them? The interaction with them? Oh, what do I get? I, I get energized. I'll tell you what. I also get exhausted. But yeah, I get energized. They are so enthusiastic, and they have such funny, weird ideas, and they they want they want you to listen to them. Oh, 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 oh! You know, they're waving their hands, and, and I try to pick the kids who aren't raising their hands. You know, because they have ideas too. In fact, I got to say, while I'm thinking about it, uh, Zoom has been really good for those shy, shy, quiet kids. You know, because you, you can tell. I was the kid who, oh, 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 me, 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 right? And and I'm still like that. And I, you know, sometimes I have to say, you know, there are other people in this room and they might be a little shy and I may be trotting all over their toes and I need to shut the heck up. So <laughs> so Zoom has been really good for that kind of thing where you can uh, you can call on a kid or they can, you know, they're, they're in, alone in their bedroom and they, they're, they're not shy anymore. You know, so it's, it's cool. But anyway, what do I get? I get energized. I get I get uh, just the enthusiasm, and, and you realize how much kids love stories. It makes you want to go back and make more. You also say on your website that if you write me, an, this is a direct quote: "If you write me an email or send me a picture you drew, I promise to write you back." Do you have an idea of how many pictures and emails you've received over the years, and and have you actually responded to all of them? Uh. Well, yeah, it's been very easy to do because they don't get any. Um, <laughs> I realize that uh, you know it's it's grownups who look at websites, uh, and so not not kids so much unless you're Dave Pilkey, and then and then they they definitely uh, yeah, he wrote to me, yeah. So, um, but but <laughs> but not many. I, I don't. I, oddly enough, I don't get many on my website, and I should probably figure out a way to to make myself more accessible that way but the the social media part of this job which is a definite part of this job is where i am the the worst i am just terrible at it so um i wish i could promise you so i could hold myself to it that i was going to get better but uh, i'm not sure that's going to happen yeah, no, it's it's not easy for anybody. It's also the key to getting a big audience for podcasts, and it's why so many podcasts don't get the audiences that they might deserve, mm-hmm. is because their owners aren't real good at social media. Right. So you know, I keep hoping Madonna is going to stumble over, you know, onto me and 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 just do all the work for me. That's right. That- you you need a TikTok account. Evidently, TikTok is where uh, you get all the traction. Yeah, that's what I heard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm going to I'm going to as soon as we're done I'm going to open a TikTok account, and I'm going to get someone to do a picture of me like about forty years younger. Uh huh. Uh-huh. So that they think I'm one of them. I like it. Kind of do the Milly Vanilli thing. Yeah. Just yeah. just hire hire some young kid to be you. Exactly. I like it. Yeah. I like it. Preferably with dreadlocks. What is your website? Let's get that in out there for people who might want to check it out. DanaJSullivan.com. So you really had to think long and hard about coming up with that URL. Right, that clever name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I and did have to put the J in there because there's already a Dana Sullivan out there. Really? Yeah, and she writes books about uh, breastfeeding. It's a little different. 
yeah, I don't mind getting re- redirected to her sometimes. But yeah. Um, so I'm DanaJSullivan.com. You could draw that. Yeah, Tell I her, have. Offer to do illustrations for her books. What a good idea. Yeah, that would really boost my children's book audience. Talk about your classes and camps. I know you offer. What do you actually teach? Well, I, I have an adult class for um, where we draw breasts. No, we don't do that. Um, <laughs> my adult class is for picture books and graphic novels. And that's usually about a six-week course. And I'm teaching that this February uh, at the Northwind Art uh, in, uh, in Port Townsend. And that's going to be in person. So that's cool because the last two have been online. Um, but uh, I'll take um, people all the way from storyboarding and just goofing around and sketching to come, and, and the the whole point of the, the six week course is they get a they finish a book dummy and a book dummy is a thirty two page um, uh, collection of sketches of their black and whites of their story uh, so it's got the pictures and the words combined in some way. And it's, it's, uh, it's um, called it a dummy. And it's mostly sketches with uh, maybe one or two color pieces of art to show what your final art would be. But you don't want to submit a, uh, a full done book to a, to a publisher. They don't, they don't like that. You know, they they want to help shape it. Um, and they might not like it. And then they're looking at, well, this guy has already done the whole book and he's probably not going to want to be open to too many changes, which is true. You know, you've done a lot of work. So anyway, that's what we do in, a, in the um, adult classes. And, and plus that, besides that, I do a whole lot of different s- sketching exercises and we paint with uh, sticks and, and ink, you know. I mean, and when I say sticks, I mean like stuff I'd just broken off the tree before class. Um, because it frees people up. They, you know, how well can you draw with a stick? You know, you're like a cave person. So, but there's amazing, it's amazing the, the kind of life you can get out of something like that. Uh, you know, splatters and inks. And I've actually had one of my students went on to do some books with that very technique and then watercolor after that. Um, so we do all kinds of stuff, timed exercises where I give them one minute or a minute and a half to do whatever. And at first they hate it. Oh my God. No, I can't draw that fast. But but then they, you know, you just you you realize that the stuff you do that fast, it's got so much life and expression to it. And then you can go back to it and and make it, um, you know, spend more time and get it just the way you want it. The ones for kids are are pretty much the same. A little more interactive and pass along kind of stuff where you you start a story and you pass it on somebody else draws and you pass that along. Um, those are comics camps. We do. We play with watercolor. We make messes. We uh, uh, there's always cookies, always cookies. Uh, if, I realize I should start doing that for my adults too. They they have. A I might time. sign up for a class yeah. with their yeah. cookies. Yeah. Right. Well, on the last day of the of the last night of the of the adult class, we do have wine, um, but but for the kids we have cookies. So okay. yeah. Well, wine's even better than cookies. Although you could throw some chips and dip in there too. We usually do. I tell people to bring. I'll bring the wine, but everybody has to bring their own goodies. We usually Ooh. get some pretty good chips and dips. I like it. I like it. Yeah. Now, you, I know you teach uh, graphic novels. Graphic novels to me these days seems to be like the new screenplay. There was a time when everybody and his brother and sister had a screenplay that they wanted to try to get produced, and now it's graphic novels. 
because there's so many movies and TV shows are coming from that. Have you found that there is a, a big upsurge in the people who want to learn how to do that? Yes. In fact, um, yeah. I've changed changed the title of my picture book il- uh, illustration class to picture books and comics, or actually, and graphic novels. But the, uh, yeah, everybody's doing graphic novels now, and, uh, and movies are coming from graphic novels, and uh, I would love that to happen to me. Just love it. Um, they could take my book, they could change it, I don't care. Pay me the big bucks, do whatever you want with it. <laughs> I have no shame. Yeah, the the, um, the graphic novels really are the big thing. But, you know, a lot of a lot of people want to know, well, what's a graphic novel? And it's, it's a comic book is what it is. And, uh, you know, some some of the best ever were from like Little Nemo from the, from the turn of the last century and uh, Will Eisner's The Spirit and Walt Kelly's Pogo. You know, these guys, oh my gosh, they could, they could do... Um, they could use a pen and a brush. They were so good, mm-hmm. but but there's so many good ones now too. The, the 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 whole publishing industry has really opened up. I mean, it used to be a bunch of white guys, um, and I mean guys, uh, and now it's everybody, uh, all colors, genders, everything. Uh, it, I think people are realizing that you're the more personal your story, the more universal, and uh, and it's time for everybody to be see themselves on pages of of comic books and graphic novels and, and picture books. So it's really a cool time. Now, what else would you like people to know about you and your work that I may not have asked about? Let's see. Have you mentioned how tall and handsome I am? I, I, I can't I, remember. I didn't mention I, that. I people have to go to your website and, and make yeah. that determination for themselves. Right. Or I'll just, yeah, I just draw myself that way. Um, <laughs> but uh, what, do we, what do we want them to know? Telling stories is just a lot of fun. And um, and working with kids is a lot of fun, especially when they're really into it and they and they 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 surprise you. You know, they always surprise me. And I love making telling them to surprise me. Uh, that's what we do with that three panel comic. I say, okay, now I want you to come up with a brand new ending. I want you to, and there's only one rule. And I say, no death. And they and they're like, whoa. I say, oh come on now. I love death as much as anybody, um, <laughs> but but it's it's a little easy. And I know you guys are just too smart. I bet you can come up with something. I said, now, it's like the prime directive in, in the, you know, every episode of, of um, Star Trek was, you know, the prime directives, you cannot interfere with, with a, uh, a culture, right? Right. So the whole plot was centered around trying to get around that every time. They just, how do you get around that? So how do you get around not doing death, you know? And, uh, you know, do, you, do they come back to life? Whatever. But but I love how kids will skirt those rules and creatively and uh, and surprise you. Well, how do you say no death when your you, one of your key series is Dead Mac? You know, and I'm usually wearing my Dead Mac shirt. Uh, so yeah, it's it, it. You know, I say, well, I'm a hypocrite. Kids, get used to it. This is this is a real world. <laughs> That's a great lesson. Uh, well, Dana J. Sullivan, thank you so much for being part of Life Slices and uh, much continued success. Thank you so much, Steve, and to you, and let's get on that TikTok right now. If you enjoyed this program, please subscribe and like us on social media and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Life Slices is produced by Beat Dick Ravens Productions, all rights reserved. Music courtesy of Fesleyan Studios. 